Greetings all, and welcome to yet another episode of the Going Rogue Gaming Podcast, a podcast about roguelikes, roguelike games, and all of the above. I am your host of the Grog Pod, Elder Lemurian Scott Berger, and as always, I'm joined with my rogues gallery of co-hosts. Colin, your hydraulic-powered lifter, close-quarter combat robot droid. And Will, your extremely annoyed uh, uh, risk of rain player. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to what will almost certainly be our most contentious ranking episode. No, I, th- I think like it'll be it'll be like straight ones across the board. I think. Uh, oh, so I saw your ranking already. I know, I know where we're gonna be uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get there. We're we're gonna strap yourself in, listener. We're gonna get there. Um, as as you may have guessed, we're talking this week about Risk of Rain the 2013 release uh roguelike game uh one of the one of the very earliest games released roguelike wise on steam back in the day uh sur- surrounded by contemporaries such as eldritch desktop dungeons not the robots fate and another big name tales of tales of Majael. Uh, you can find the uh, risk of rain on steam switch ps vita ps4 and xbox and it's developed by seattle area developer Hopu Games, which is maybe just a five-minute walk down from Valve and Bungie down over here in Bellevue. Really? Uh, yeah. It's a it's a this is another one of those kind of like surprise games where I'm like, wow, I actually forgot or didn't expect uh another game developer that I'm uh uh so in, enamored with to be Seattle area based, uh, which was a fun surprise. Uh Hope who also Will, developed, Will can uh, go bang on their door and demand that they make a better <laughs> game. Are they still in business? I mean, this is 10 years later. Yeah, they're coming out with a uh, remastered version of Risk of Rain 1 sometime this year. Oh, there's a shame. <laughs> I actually think I looked at the uh I, I looked at the it, it hasn't it, it's got like the Steam wish list page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I looked at it and I actually think I like the graphics of the original game better. Um but everything's like three pixels tall in the original. I know. You know what? I, I understand. So Risk of Rain is a side-scroller, platformer, roguelike-ish. It's... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm getting into whoa. it. Yeah, you're you're stepping on my bit here. I, oh, I, had, a whole, right. I had a whole bit written out and... Oh, uh, it's just all, all right, all right. Ask us what. <laughs> give us one sentence description, and I'm yeah. Like, oh, well, I also I, I also have the the alternating back and forth so that not one person totally dominates. Anyway, my uh, <laughs> now that I'm flipping through the the carefully prepared script that I have for each episode, will. Oh yeah, I'm going to ask you some few, a few questions here. Yeah. In order in order to manage risk of rain, we must first understand <laughs> risk of rain. How do you spot risk of rain? How do you avoid risk of rain and why will in one sentence makes it so risky? Oh my God. The risk of this game is on installation. <laughs> that's, that's really, uh, I mean, it's okay. I'll be fair here. I, I think for a certain type of person, a certain type of demented, uh, mm-hmm. uh, really just someone who's sick in the head for that kind of person, maybe they really, really, really like this game, but for us, uh, us people that have uh, more than one neuron to rub together, and, uh, you know, that's that's the kind of game that uh, really just rubs us the wrong way. And so um, for anyone who listened to last the last podcast, you know, I was really looking forward to this one, I say, um, with as much sarcasm as I can, because uh, platformers in general are um, they're bad game design. Uh, they're a, a, a whole a bad framework for a game I, they, and they went out of fashion it should have gone out of fashion as soon as technology allowed us to go beyond that i know i'm not answering your original question like okay so <laughs> the one the one sentence sorry this i'm already I'm just frothing at the mouth already um no uh, <laughs> it is a platformer that where you shoot left and right and accumulate things over and over again, and you and you run away, and you turn, you shoot, and you run, and then you run some. And sometimes you go up some the ropes. Forehead vein is pulsing wildly, and right then now. you shoot some more with four different things, and you watch cooldowns, and then you die, and you do it again. That was a long run-on sentence, but that's that's my summary there. I couldn't have said it better myself. Mm-hmm. Some more uh, quick, the quick real stats question about is, 
Yeah, uh, Scott, you you researched this more than we did. Yeah. Uh, what is the risk of rain? I know it's a level, but what is? Do you know what the title is? I think like, the, it's pretty obvious. The title, the title, other than uh, I think, well, so is the rain is the rain like the rain of debris from the spaceship that crashes from I the sky? There's so this game is interesting because like there's not really a whole lot of um, like rain in the game per se. Yeah, but there's lots of like little little like flourishes here and there like details about rain that i think like also doubly underscores that this was made by by two students from uw mm, so yes local local seattle people who know a lot about rain and drizzle and different types of rain uh probably you know just wanted to put all all that stuff in there but i think like so in this roguelike game as will has very eloquently put this roguelike action platformer one of the key features to this is an ever-increasing difficulty meter that has, you know, your standard kind of difficulty measurements at first, like easy, normal, medium, hard, um, and difficulty, I think, modifiers associated with that. They're also sort of rain-based, so like drizzle is kind of like your standard easy mode. Um, what's the middle one? I forget what the middle one, but the hardest one is monsoon, and I think the rain here is like the rain of bullets. It's the rain of debris from your your crashed uh, spaceship or escape pod. It's the you know the rain, the your raining blows upon all of your enemies. It's really a menagerie, is what it is. But I don't think there's any actual like I don't think there's any actual like rain rain in this game on any of the levels. Well, think about think about mm. when the, the actual phrase like when do people use like there's a risk of rain when we're, when we're talking about oh you're going to go out today oh well there's a risk of rain so this is like the risk of your day getting worse as a result of rain <laughs> and so that's the direct applicability here is if you play this game you're risking having a, just a negative time wrong now the risk I mean is... I feel like for you it's a it, you you seem to be implying that it's a certainty of rain oh yeah that's that's the that's the irony of it is it makes you think that there is some risk but in fact it is a guaranteed thing and it's just a matter of degree really between that drizzle and monsoon of grief yeah so i would say that um i i've played this game in two separate chunks and i remember really liking it the first time i played it and i playing it again i remembered that it is in fact a spiky experience uh a good run feels very fun and often a bad run doesn't feel great and then sometimes also you just die and you're like wow i'm doing great and then you just oh whoops i got in a weird spot and you just die mm -hmm. uh so there is that risk risk of uh i feel like there's a risk of bad times but there's also a risk of like maybe rainbow where you get that good good feeling where you're like, oh man, I all my stuff came together and I'm shooting at like a million bullets a second and everyone's a critical hit. And then you hit the thing that makes you shoot 40% faster and you're just an actual machine gun. <laughs> how and, many hours do you have in the game? And like, what's your, how many wins and all that? Just general stats for, just so I have an understanding of. I think, I'm at, I, think I only won twice. I'm at like 15 hours. I think I've won maybe like 10 or 15 times with 30 hours. I was, I had just wrapped up a, a run before this where I think my experience was maybe kind of the opposite of Collins where the first few times I had played this game, I was, I was like neutral positive on it. And for me, it's just like kept growing and growing on me. Like the more that I've been playing it, um, this on like the complete flip side from Will really scratches a lot of itches for me being, I think like I'm more amenable to, to platformers than Will is. Uh, and the, yeah. So, so I guess like the, the run that I had just done very emblematic of what Colin was describing of like this risky behavior of you're running around, you got a good run going and then maybe you take a calculated risk here and then it all just kind of falls apart. I had uh, I picked the uh, character that I had never played with before, the Han D robot, or Han D. Maybe it's Handy because you smack. I'm guessing it's Handy. That that would make more sense. Um, and I was like, okay, like the first few times I played this game, and mainly stuck with like 
you're starting commando character with the, you just have guns you shoot left and right not not really that inspiring or different of a character um did a little bit with bandit it's kind of like a twist on it with a with a big blaster gun um but this one was very different because he's a melee character he's a robot a lot of different kind of abilities having like a pretty good run with it so far and collecting a bunch of items along the way and i'm just putting in i'm raining down a fury of blows on the final boss and i had risked it for the biscuit by hitting the special item that like stops time for seven seconds go in and like lay down the fury of blows on him but i had forgotten that the final boss has like this one kind of a bs ability but like again something that you kind of have to watch out for where like these little like insta death icons pop up around the screen you gotta run away from them i had reacted too slowly and i was like right about to land the final blow to like kill him for good and i got killed by the insta kill thing and my reaction to get that, good noob <laughs> yeah it's skill issue but uh my reaction to that was yeah very much like damn i had a really good run going but i want to try again and i think that's the kind of like like there there's like an addictive element of like um power momentum that you get rolling through this game that even if like you get insta-gibbed on the last second of the last boss like i am still very excited to jump back in and try a different character that i've never played before yeah it's incredible that I, incredible I mean i i i there are certain games like starcraft is one which is a completely different kind of game but like where if you lose and you're angry and like oh i gotta play again right now <laughs> like ah and you just you got you like rush back in to playing it with the like like losing doesn't make me want to stop playing it wants it makes me want to play more because i'm mm -hmm. like oh, i'm annoyed that my strat didn't work i got to do it again but better this time um and like i i i think i'm with scott in that i like platformers hollow knight is one of my 10 out of 10 games like a good or platformer, I give that like, a, like a three or a four a good platformer people are going to be crashing their cars on the yeah. side of the road <laughs> i think I think that the lack of that third dimension lets you just get such tight controls that you can't get with a 3D game. And that's I actually... don't need 3D, by the way. It's just the platformer left right sort of thing. Because uh, as soon as like, because we're talking about this, like, because vampires survivors love that game. Mm -hmm. And like, we try to compare Like, why would I love that game, but hate this game when they have so much in common? And this was I really mean, bothering me for a while until we we went through and chat about it. But I think we yeah we talked about this a little bit off air where like the difference here is that Risk of Rain is class based number one. So and Vampire you, Survivors is like eh, only meh. <laughs> uh, for you, Colin? Yeah, I was like eh. It's fine. Oh, is, that, is that on our list of games to play? I feel like since we've we'll already played, yeah, Vampire already. Survivors is on the list. And well, I think you'll you'll be interested in some of like some of the vampire inspired or vampire survivors inspired games that have been coming out in its ilk also. Uh, but yeah, it's, it is on the stay tuned list for sure. Sorry, I interrupted you though. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like uh, risk of rain begins with, I think a, a good cinematic that kind of like sets the stage for the whole game. You are, I guess a a passenger on a big space cargo ship. Lots of loot on there. It's on its way to someplace. Um and then all of a sudden teleports in some beefy looking uh monster boss guy who just blows up your ship in 2 seconds. Very powerful. Probably want to stay away from that guy. Uh you select your character i think and it took me a while to realize this but your character select screen is inside the escape pod that's like the outline of like the character select screen and everyone has like the little escape pod like safety harnesses on them in order to and they're like dropping oh, down i, I mean i saw that the i didn't realize it was inside the escape pod though that makes sense why they're all wearing crash harnesses <laughs> uh and class-based yeah so like you have ranged characters you have melee characters you have um robots you have uh poison monsters you have uh who i would just assuming that colin would be playing 
a dedicated engineer class, of course. Uh, I did enjoy the engineer. <laughs> uh, and they all have like very kind of um, similar archetypes of, archetypes of abilities. You have your main attack button. That's just like the thing that you kind of spam most of the time. You have some kind of escape or speed or evasion ability. You have um, like a like a another kind of I don't know what is it like a utility I guess like a utility ability or like a secondary. It's not quite the thing that you spam all the time, but it's like another kind of secondary attack. And then you have like your your special move. So it's just kind of like your four active abilities. Um, I know we were kind of uh, just before hitting the record button, we were talking about how much we love League of Legends, but very much in a similar kind of fashion, you know, you have characters that you pick from that each have their own kind of main four-ish abilities or so, and you augment and synergize those with, you know, things that you pick up. Um, in this case, you know, you're, you're running around very platforms-heavy environments, um, and finding, well, I guess, depending on the modifiers of the game that you choose, finding like chess, finding things that are like, it presents you with like three options. You pick one, it locks out the other two. Uh, and then items also drop from, from bosses that you fight at the end of the level. But as you are, you so you first land on a given level, uh, each, each of the five stages that you progress through has two or sometimes three different kind of uh, options to select from. I think they're random every time. I don't, I'm not sure if you have much much choice of what comes up level-wise, but that will kind of dictate what enemies spawn on that level and all that. Um, I really, really like the art in this game, like a lot. Yes. Was... I like it a lot. <laughs> uh i Why? think like well so i like for me i really like big um uh what's the word that i'm kind of looking for like uh the, the latest Shitty, like, uh like the latest dune movie that came out was like very uh like large and expansive big expansive alien all of that good stuff like you in this game you really feel like you've landed on an alien world and you know, it is very heavily pixelated, but uh, I think there's there's an aspect of grandeur where your character is so tiny on the screen, like you said, like three pixels tall, and the environment is just enormous. And I think that that's like something that I find very unique about this is that I feel very small in this very big world that I've just landed in. And what's the possible downside of that, Scott? <laughs> The possible downside is Small. that you get to look at all the cool background art. <laughs> you get to see in some levels, like there are these um uh like giant uh like glowing like uh being like humanoid looking being monsters uh that just dwarf your character. There's like a there's like that disproportionate sense of scale that like like you see from like the movie Arrival with like the giant like tentacle aliens that come in. They're just like so much bigger and like just this like this big alien vastness that's just like you don't belong here. I feel I get so much from this. And and very importantly, some of the levels uh adhere to one of my favorite tropes in sci-fi is the the fucked up moon theory where like if you have some kind of like moon in the background that's like fucked up or like blown up or you know hmm. screwed up in some way that that adds to like the sci-fi-ness. Got that in spades here. Uh, I you didn't answer my question, by the way, but uh, oh. it, it's too small and you can't see what's going on. There your, we go. That uh, is a well, huge then you, just, you just turn the scaling up, and then you I mean, I feel like it's really not that big of a deal in this particular game. It didn't it, impact my ability to have fun as a melee and character. Not... As handy as handy, you're trying to tell me that it's not like sure. If you're a ranged character, you don't have things getting up close. But if you if it would if the side of the if the if it matters which side the character is on of you because you're, you're up really close and they're attacking you. It matters very much that you can see which side. That way you know which way you're shooting. Yes, to, to some degree. I think that matters less in the end game, where if you have yeah, this, where like, a zillion abilities spamming. and everything is just like a, a chaotic rainbow of insanity, that matters less because... So, I mean, even, even playing this on the Steam Deck, you would think like, oh my God, it's so small, I can't see a damn thing. 
but like in even in that case i could very clearly see what was going on and didn't seem to be a problem um i don't care as much about the background world as you scott but i am a huge sucker for pixel art where there isn't um like black lines around the pixels so it's like uh just a as if you tried to take a picture of something and just actually capture the colors with uh with some pixels so you know like something like mario will have like a defined edge versus these have the edges are much more nebulous and sometimes it'll overlap and it'll be like harder to tell what you're looking at. But I just, I mean, I think the style, it's very strongly stylized and I like stylized art games. Um, and I think it this has a, I don't want to say it's a, a unique style, but it's a style that isn't used super often. And I, I, am 50% more likely to buy your game if you have uh, this kind of like pixel art style. And I have bought other games of completely different genres for it and been burned, but I liked this game. So it, it didn't burn me. And I, you know, I enjoyed looking at it. There's two other games that I think have like a similar art style Into in the terms breach. of that. Hmm? Was it Into the Breach one of them? Never yeah, I think then. like into I the mean, breach, into the breach is the more full resolution, better everything version of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. There, there's like um, there's like a uh, otherworldliness associated to like the art design of Hyperlight Drifter. Yes. Yeah. And Dead Cells, where it has uh, that kind of like Dead Cells, maybe more more like I guess modernized in air quotes, but like. Um, but yeah, like Hyperlight Drifter and Dead Cells, I get a very much like that kind of like jaggedy, like rough, but well-designed, artistically done pixel art that I think just, it just has that um, indescribable quantity that it just, everything feels lived in and it works for each stage. Like, you know, you're on a you're on a, a wintry ice stage. Everything feels wintry and icy, and there's like lots of little flourishes and pixel art associated with it that that feel right. The how your abilities are drawn and like your character's movement on the screen, even if you are three pixels tall, like getting getting like a like a little three pixel tall character, like how do you convey that that person's carrying like a big sniper rifle and then having them backflip in such a way that like looks cool but feels you know, this kind of like, it feels very lived into this universe that feels appropriate. I feel like it's not, it, it's not at all the same as anime, but I feel like it's a, it's a similar, in the way that anime, especially in animation in general, can add stylization to motion. I think a pixel art like this, you can add a lot of, like every motion is extremely deliberate and the way things move you can control all of the frames of a jump animation or something which is what i think appeals to me in at pixel art in general is you can you can really specify like how you want everything to move and look and i think this game does a good job of like moving around i mean sometimes it takes too long but i feel like when you're really moving around like this I don't, I like the way it looks. I like the way that it kind of, even the chaos. Normally I'm not really that into the full chaos mode where you can't really tell what's going on, but something about the the chaos is visually appealing to me and not just like overwhelming with colors. Maybe maybe part of it is that it's got a little bit of more of a muted color tone mm. for most of the stuff. And so it's not just like, here's every color as bright as we can <laughs> smashing your eyeballs uh but yeah it does feel very balanced in that sense um i, I just had another thought of like another kind of like pixel arty game that uh lots of chaos going on uh and a stay tuned and a half for sure uh noita yeah very much kind of like feels inspired to some degree by by risk of rain um, yeah i haven't I haven't put in enough time in Anoida to like 
get good enough at it to mm-hmm. feel like I've I've given it a fair shake. But that's definitely one of those games where I am much more interested in it because I it, it has the same kind of art pixel style where the pixels feel like they are individual parts of the world, not just uh an outline of of a thing that it they don't feel like sprites they feel mm-hmm. like the pixels are literal bits of the thing that they're making the image of yeah all all of this matters almost not at all to me like you're talking you're going on and on and on about all these visual elements like visual elements audio elements all of these things speaking of audio so it's great oh, yeah. audio audio so far down on the list of priorities for me number one priority fun is it a fun game does it have yes, fun mechanics? it is fun and here, let me lay out the, the primary game loop. The primary, like, this is, this is what it is. Imagine a plane, a flat plane, <laughs> left and right, and you sit in the middle of it. And then there's some things way off in the distance, and they're going to move at you at a certain rate. And you're able to shoot at them and watch their health, the, like the little progress bar essentially above their health, head go down. They're going to approach you, and it, maybe you'll kill one or two of them, and then they get close enough to you where you have to start running away. And some of them may be faster than you, and so you have to just keep running until you can find some place to not be on this plat this this axis this platform with them and so you can turn around and shoot them but you just keep doing this over again you run away you shoot you shoot them you run away you maybe use your abilities yeah your invisibility or whatever but like ultimately you're doing the same thing over and over again you're running away attacking and maybe eventually you get powerful enough to hurt them but it's still like you are just aiming your character left or right shooting and like fleeing or advancing and this this mechanic is just so fucking boring to me. And I, that this is what this you guys are talking about being addicted between runs. For me, I had to take twenty minutes, thirty minutes break because I'm just like shit. I I got to be ready for this podcast. But God, I really don't <laughs> want to play this fucking game again. Let me just get together all my willpower so I can sit down and and uh, and navigate their terrible UI because on the, the joypad it takes 30 seconds for it to go from the bottom of the screen up to play so you're just sitting there watching just knowing that you're about to experience this hell and then you finally click play and you're like oh god i got to drag it down Wait, did you play on you played on a controller well i started with the mouse and keyboard then i realized there's four buttons and then the the, the controller is more spanish. i mean i played it with the arrow keys and the keyboard it seems pretty sure that's the way it's supposed to be played I mean, there's no advantage on a on a controller. You can't shoot up. I don't think there's aim. that much of an advantage by using keyboard and keyboard. Well, like there's no characters that rely on anything related to the mouse right. in and of itself. And this just, is why I just this is why I just went uh, with the controller. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. It, 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 this is all like just to say that like okay, the, the screens aside and like that whole experience aside, the, the game itself, like the primary mechanic, is just not fun. I and that's my that's my biggest problem. You're uh you're not entirely wrong with your angry tirade, but you. but but I think Risk of Rain 2 did something very smart, which was offer two different starting characters at the beginning. Risk of Rain 1 only gives you the commando where you're only just shooty, 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 shooty. And there's not really much of like, all right, well, what like if that was your your only 10 minutes experience with the game. Yeah, like, you know, it would be like, okay, I'm just running around this overly enormous environment looking for this teleporter that's impossible to find, just kiting enemies all day long and shooting at them. Okay, when when does it start getting good exactly? Um, but I also and, think that's a like that's a pretty reductive description of the game. Like it is. You're right. like, oh, Mario is just move a direction and jump on things head. And it's bad too. <laughs> okay. It's another bad game. All platformers are bad. Wrong. So I've had many games that I liked a lot that were platformers. And I think that maybe you just, you know what? Maybe you're just bad at gravity. Maybe you hate I'm gravity. good at these games. I beat this game. I, I guess I, uh, I got, I, I you just hate it in five and a half hours. It's just, it's a, it's one of those stupid time. Like the little thing is moving and then you tap your, the jump button. Once you get to the edge of the ledge and it's just about precision. It's, it's a timing game. Timing games are bad. I like judgment games you know and what? I Maybe like that... accuracy games. Scott, you like timing games? I well, depending on the kind of timing. Wait, I think... Scott, have you played Hollow Knight? Yes. Did you play at the time where you just had to go through the crazy platform thing and it's just like uh, spikes everywhere? Like yes. I had a great and time playing that. I I did not like that at all. 
so here's the thing maybe i'm just different maybe i'm just built different from you Will, yeah because like i said, I like, I started, I, like i said one neuron that you there, know, are, I mean, it's, there are a bunch of games that are just like don't even fight just jump around and make sure you jump at the right pixel and i i get a thrill out of that here so here's here's my hot take about hollow knight it's the very best game. it's it's it is an excellent game it would be maybe one of the best games of all time if A, it didn't have a bad ending by default, and B, C, D, E, and F, that you didn't have to get the good ending by going through like a super meat boy mini mini game level uh, in order to fight like a boss that anyway, yeah. So Hollow Knight, very good. <laughs> there are there are platformers that are very good. There are platformers that rely on uh timing and quick judgment and reflexes and all those things that are all very good risk of brain i think is emblematic of this and the the gameplay loop i think the advanced gameplay loop that will's not describing here is that for any given level that you're on you have to make the decision of you know do you want what what are you after on this stage are you after something on the stage that you can unlock meaning like there's there's environmental hints throughout the level like oh there's something secret behind here if you can figure out this like reasonably straightforward puzzle and maybe if you need like a jetpack or something some item that helps it helps grease the wheels a little bit you can unlock a new character or there's like an artifact buried you know in a similar kind of functionality and those are things that will help to you know augment your meta progression through the game uh and really kind of like change up your experience so are you after that are you after items like are you trying to like run around through the level and you know fight off some monsters to get some, you know, grind up some gold to open up a chest and see if you get like an item that works for what you're going for. Um, or are you just running straight towards the exit and activating the exit? Because what that does is when you activate the exit to go to the next level, it stops the enemy spawnings around the level and just forces you to fight the boss and like the enemies kind of spawn locally. You kill all them and then the rest of the stage is free and clear for you to run around. But that like we talked about the, before, that difficulty timer, your hunger clock is still going up. And now maybe you're at the very hard difficulty where enemies will, in future stages, spawn faster. They'll spawn more frequent, or um, they'll be of like tougher types. They'll ha have like more kind of passive effects to them. Will they're, you know, like, will they electrocute you when you get too close? I don't know. Uh, it really kind of depends on what what you're willing to risk on that level uh, well, you had to reach for that one uh, and from what i can tell from people's uh like mons like solo monsoon runs on youtube like their strategy is just beeline it for the exit hit that exit you kill down the boss as much as you can whatever gold that you have left over go and grab from the chests un unperturbed and then you know from there you can figure out what what sort of items have you collected th thus far and how does that sort of inform your play style? And I was a skeptic for a long time, like, oh, all these items are totally random. They don't have anything to do with, like, what the character I'm picking. But the more that I've been watching people's high-level runs of this and trying that experimentation for myself, the more I'm realizing this game has, like, a lot of nuanced um, bad luck mitigation that it doesn't tell you up front that really sinks other games pretty bad. And I was thinking about FTL. So in FTL, you're going through a run, and you're like, man, it would be great if I got some flack this, this shop, right? And then you go in, and then they just have a bunch of stuff that doesn't synergize at all with what you're doing. I think part of the advantage of Risk of Rain is that, A, there's so many items, B, you get them so frequently that it just happens to accidentally overlap, and you wind up getting these passive effects that work really well, almost regardless of your intent, and that those really help to um, augment your your run in a way that doesn't feel punishing every time. Like it feels very hard to have a run that's screwed up by one single item not showing up, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I mean, go ahead. well, sorry, go on, Will. Well, so it sounds like the meta is one strategy then. <laughs> and in fact, it was pretty obvious to me very early on. It's like, yes, you open, like by the end of most levels, if you didn't make a beeline for the exit, like if you just passed the exit, you're like, oh, it's there. Let me go check out the rest of the level. By the end of the level, you have, you banked up so much gold that it's just like, okay, that converts to experience. But like, and that's experience is essentially HP. But like, 
yeah, like what you're up against is that meter of like difficulty. And so mm-hmm. the, the amount of gold you get generate just from fighting the boss and all the minions that spawn around the boss is enough to open up all the chests within the area of that boss and then get out within a reasonable time. I mean, yeah, you're, you might be leaving some things at the edge of the map, but like, it's much, it's just like, there's one strategy. It's like you find the exit, you open it as fast as possible, collect gold and then open up everything you can that's in the immediate area. And then you just, you keep going. Is that right? Like, and also, like you're, you're you're talking about like oh the strategy like there's just chests everywhere you're opening them up you're not making decisions you make yeah, one so, decision so like, there's, a, think... there's one decision per level which is when they present you with three items uh-huh. unless you get an right. artifact I know you're about to go about the artifact oh it changes the game and so you, but you don't ever get it so it doesn't matter anyways at least you that's didn't my get experience. it you think no I haven't, I have I have not got to the, this artifact so I'm just going through like yep I'm picking up everything okay this is synergizing not I don't know I don't know what the half the fuck the things in some ways so the doing. artifact that Will's talking about is at some point you get the ability to just change it so that you can choose any item at any time you open a chest and so that's the way I've been playing for this last group and I in some ways I think it might make the game worse uh, because there are a lot of items and there is no in-game it doesn't pause when you when you open this chest to look through and there's no in-game information about them so basically every time i would when i would just find this chest find the question mark i'd stop i'd click escape i'd alt tab to the other thing and i'd look <laughs> through all the items to figure out what i wanted to get uh-huh. and try and figure out how they'd all synergize and it it slowed down the game experience a lot um, there's another binding of isaac moment where it's just like this is bad yeah. developers stop doing this yeah no, I think well like, it's also it's- an older it's it's not it's a little bit older of a game so I, we can't give them quite as much shit. Oh, I'll give shit. Well, well, it's, I'll give it's a rating. After, That's what I'll do. It's after OG Binding of Isaac and before Binding of Isaac Rebirth. But you're right in that there's there's no, like, once your run has started, there's no menu saying, like, um, oh, actually, well, I don't know if this is true. I don't know if, like, uh, during, during the game when you're running around, if you mouse over the item, if it tells you in detail what it does, like, oh, this gives you plus 10% uh yeah inventory i think that's what it does yeah um because before you start your run there's like an item and like monster log stuff that i think all that stuff is really well done and and fun to like read through because there's you know you go into like your items that you've unlocked and it's you know takes you over to like the storage room of of the ship and it has them all displayed and some of them are locked out and you can hover over the lock to see what what criteria you need to do in order to unlock it um, and for the ones that you you have picked up, and I think, yeah, if you have picked it up, you know, you mouse over in your little storage area and it'll say like, oh, you know, um, here's like this, this like fake delivery background of like, oh, you know, we found this on alien planet Omega Delta. And, you know, they were really pissed off when we stole it out of the monster's mouth. Like there's a lot of like kind of fun uh, background to all these seemingly uh, totally disconnected items where you have like teddy bears that block damage and sunglasses that make you do more crit damage. Like, I think it's it's interesting that they have like these little lore snippets in there. Um, but yeah, like the artifact of command is maybe like the biggest yes or no artifact you that you activate. Like Colin was saying, it allows you to choose whatever item that you want for that particular build. And yeah, like before we we had this episode slated, every time that I would play this game, I would play with that command artifact on because I was like, I want to choose the build that I want to do. I want to pick all the items that I, A, have, have used before so I know what they do. And B, like, I think these will synergize well with what this character class is doing. But it does slow the game down. And I think there's that element of... uh newness where you're like oh i didn't actually realize that you know stacking 10 grenade launcher items on this character would work in this way there's like surprising stuff like that where if you didn't go if you weren't it had that shoved on you at first then you wouldn't know that there was like a good synergy there to deal with and then yeah you can come back later and like artifact of command and just like select it if you want but there's that that interesting randomness of how the items interact with each other that adds to that very much binding of Isaac-ness of like, 
run around, you pick something up like, okay, what does this do? Oh, that's cool. It does this thing. Oh, neat. And then allows you to kind of progress further without really thinking about it too much and getting locked down in that cognitive overload. Well, let me ask you this. Why didn't they just do like a choose one of three sort of thing? That's yeah, what I, I wish they did of. more of it. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like it's either you have complete randomness, whereas it's you you choose you get you get one of one option, or you like or you completely eliminate the fun mechanic of the ran- randomness that comes from it. I mean, it feels like that's what many of this type of game has gone towards. I mean, you get something like uh, Hades, where you just uh, choose which area you want to enter. You can't choose your item, but you choose the type of like item or boon that you're getting, right? You can choose the you you get the choice of boons. You get I thought it was you choose the room or yeah you, you choose can choose the room. the room and then you can choose. Sometimes you can choose like one. I, I, it's been options. it's been a couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Like if you get if you get like an, an Athena room versus like a heart room option, and you go to the Athena room, you clear it, and then you get the boon at the end. It does give you like a here's three or four options, pick one. Yeah. But those options are always randomized, and yeah, I think like I think will you hit it right on the head where like that needs to be like the upfront default for like all of the all of the items on the level is to have like yeah like that element of randomness is kind of important i think the command artifact does you know if you're like a sweaty tryhard and you want to like optimize your build like only these items and i need to stack these as much as possible that's an option but maybe and this is i mean you know obviously like this game being like one of the 30th like roguelikes released on steam ever yeah. i don't know if they had really learned that lesson at the time so that'll be interesting for them to see for risk of rain returns this year how they how they learn from how other roguelikes have done it um, right and just see like risk how, of rain too like is it a is it a straight remaster or like what exactly are they changing about it that makes it yeah different changing the graphics slightly changing the characters slightly changing how they get uh items i don't know colin you were you were rudely interrupted earlier before you were about to wax poetic about the soundtrack oh yeah it's good soundtrack (laughs) i i feel like it's i wish that there was like a slightly larger variety but it's been playing in my head all day today in just just like over and over again uh this the start of the 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 one of the first levels um they're quite mad I thought, they're quite mad you know well i thought it would... was decently good and i thought it fit the game well yeah i i love capital l love the soundtrack to this game i think what? the soundtrack does does a lot of lifting for like like playing this game on mute, like it looks great, it flows great, uh, but the music really adds that extra dimension of like big bombastic, like otherworldliness, but like some you know symphonic epic metal, like rock tech. You know, I mean, it's it's so emblematic of this game that it's got like, good ambiance the word you were looking yeah. there is for there is a forgettable uh no, and no completely no. mediocre in all ways well, okay so uh, that was one of the things i it stood out to me how boring <laughs> it was i did I, I the music they have it blasting in the beginning because they're like well the gameplay isn't great let me just try let's, let's try and like mix it up confuse them with this and i'm just like nope i'm not gonna i turned that down about i don't know about 20 minutes in because i'm like this is already repetitive and bad there's a lot of good video games out there that have really good uh, music but this is just not one of them no you are completely (laughs) completely insane so the soundtrack is done by athens based chris 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 tadulo and he has he has all of his um uh soundtrack works up on youtube so his youtube channel is super great to go into just to like see all of his stuff there and for Will's purposes here, he has a uh, like a developer commentary for his Risk of Rain One soundtrack, where he goes through like, yeah, this is like you know my my music design uh, for for like this track, and here you can hear like the main theme, you know, played in reverse at this part, and I'm you know, and I was I was kind of shocked, my socks blew off my feet a little bit when I uh, heard him say like he doesn't use any uh, guitar for the parts that you would think he would be using guitar in this whole soundtrack how innovative (laughs) 
It's all I, the notes I, he didn't play. Native, you know? The notes he didn't play. Is that right? <laughs> it's so, true jazz. True. Yeah. Truly. Um, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I think that it's like, I don't know if I would listen to this music while I'm like for itself, but I think it's a good background once you get absorbed into the combat. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's got a strong start to the level and that or start to the sound at the beginning of the level when you're not really doing much. And then I think it merges well with the background of your fighting where you're like, I am, I am zoned in. I'm not really paying attention to the music anymore because I'm focused only on, uh, as we'll put it, running away and shooting at them and running away and shooting at them. Uh, it, but like with my full, full force of attention. So I think it fits well. I mean, I, I just, the whole game, I like aesthetically. I like the art style. I like the music. I like the way that the art and music fit together to produce this feeling of, I, just, I don't, I won't even say sci-fi or otherworldiness, but like, you're just a little bit in your own, off in your own world. Like you aren't, you're you're exploring. It feels it, it gives me an exploratory vibe, uh, and I like that. And then eventually, you're just fighting monsters continuously, and you can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not really listening to music as much anymore. Then, can I can I uh, just expand on that word exploratory and exploration here for a moment? Because sure. uh, when I when I started the game. I thought it was procedurally generated. I'm like this, the, everything here, the, there's platforms everywhere, the little jumper pads. This looks like something that like, yeah, okay, that's, it's got that going for it. It's procedurally generated. So every time I, I load a level, it's going to be something brand new at the very least. Oh no, that that illusion was shattered early on. When I'm like, wait a minute, I've been here before. And then I realized, yeah, there are just static levels. And yep, they mix around where the teleporter is and where you start and like where the, the, the chests are but it's the same level every time. And so there's a distinct advantage. First, it creates a dynamic where there's a distinct advantage in knowing the level design because you know exactly how far you have to travel in each direction before you've seen like enough to know that whether or not the teleport is going to be there. So there's that. But like it also just means it gets much more boring more quickly. There, like This is exactly the sort of thing where procedural generation works. Like Minecraft. Like this is where, like that's another area where you want to have procedural generation. Like every new biome you go into should be fresh <clears throat> this game did, it took the the primary reason that you would use procedural generation and where it would have worked really well. And they just said, oh, let's just flush that down the toilet and let's just do something <laughs> static. We're, we're just going to be boring here. And uh, we're going to put all those dollars into the music, it sounds like, even though I disagree with that. Yeah, I think they could have used a couple more variations on each level biome. Maybe just make them larger and chunk them off in different ways or something like that. Um, I know it's not exactly the same level for each region but a, a couple maybe it is the same level uh and yeah, yeah I, I think each stage has like one or two so like each yeah like each level has like one or two or three variations on it where it's like you know maybe like the rope is over here instead of over here but yeah like generally the platforms are usually in the same areas like the shape of some levels are like very vertical versus others, which are very wide. Um, and yeah, I think like there's a missed opportunity for procedural generation, but I think in order for that to work, you'd either have to make the levels considerably smaller so that like you wouldn't get lost even more than you already do. Um, or that like, again, something that would be very interesting to see how they roll out with, with the remaster this year. Like, do they incorporate any of that stuff and if so, how much? And oh, so coming back to, to Dead Cells. So Dead Cells, very much that kind of ch- chunkified, um, maybe not procedurally generated, but like the, the individual like chunks are like randomly put together. But like there's still like a coherent level flow to it, more or less. So the level has a theme. But like being able to choose like, oh, in this part of the level in Dead Cells, if I go down into the depths over here, that'll take me to some other dungeon versus if I go up here, up into this castle, it'll take me to, up to the tall ramparts. Like that kind of split level decision design, I think would also suit well here for like, oh, starting level, maybe if I go all the way to the left, procedural generation in the way, chunkified segments and so on. 
having an exit that would be like, okay, if I hit the teleporter over here, that'll take me to the snow level. If I take the teleporter on the other side, that'll take me to the lava level, that kind of thing. Yeah, just more choices in general. Mm -hmm. I think that you get some choices and you get a lot more choices if you use that command artifact, but there are less, you get variations, but not necessarily meaningful choices to produce those variations. Uh, being able to choose what level you go to, being able to choose if, if the three different object or three items things was the default rather than a chest. I think those would be good additions or good changes to this game for the remaster. Yeah, because I mean, as it stands, unless you have that command block, there are essentially no decisions you make, or you get to make that one, like that one chest out of the you know the ten you pick up per level, where it's at one of three, where you actually get to see the outcome. Like, yeah, that's the decision that you make, which is just, oh, oh, not enough. I, I strategy. Tried. I need more strategy in my games. I tried really hard. This is most likely operator error on my part, so I apologize for people who know how to do this, and it's me just face keyboarding the whole time. I tried desperately to get the Risk of Rain mod loader to work because there is an extensive fan-made mod creation for, for this called Risk of Rain Starstorm that has, like, like your typical fan-made creation, just like an insane amount of stuff in it. Mm. And for the life of me, I felt so bad that I like couldn't figure out how to get it to load. <laughs> and... I, I felt really bad because I'm like, there's a lot of stuff in here that looks really cool. There's a lot of new monsters, lots of new characters, lots of new biomes and environments. I don't know if that it fixes everything that Will is complaining about, uh, <laughs> but there's certainly like opportunities in there for it for it to try. And I was just kind of bummed that like that like a game from 10 years ago, the mod loader also feels severely dated. Uh, I feel like if if the remaster of Risk of Rain returns this year has like Steam workshops workshop support yeah, and takes nice. all of that like level of effort out of it, then if something like the Risk of Rain Starstorm fan mod is much more easily surfaceable and like you know people can put in those kinds of things that that Will was levying criticism about, that would be. I think even even better of a play space to help help with modding. Because I forget, I don't know. Maybe you know we'll get there when we get there with Risk of Rain two, very different three dimensional, not question mark platformer. I don't think it's a platformer. I mean, I played it at least when it was in alpha, so I know I know at least something, <laughs> yeah. and I know I haven't played it how since my it was, was like barely out, and they it was true truly early access. Yeah. I felt like it had it was like what one level for a while. Yeah, we were doing one level. Yeah. It was co-op too. We were doing the co-op of it, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Risk of Rain one here also has co-op that that we have not tried. So I don't. Sh- Would it just be? Do they just make it harder? Nah, I'm good. And then you. <laughs> Scott, want to go do some co-op? Um, I could be interested in some co-op because uh, I think there's like there's some interesting unexplored well, synergies between the characters, like Fabulous. like the Enforcer character has a big shield, the Sniper character has a big gun yeah there there's some interesting synergies there like like melee melee plus plus a ranged exactly yeah uh some stuff that's kind of unexplored there so yeah i'm i'm curious if uh if anyone listening to the show has experience with the risk of rain starstorm fan mod please write in and tell me what the hell i'm doing wrong uh, and whether or not it's worth worth our time to uh to investigate but um but yeah, maybe we should uh, maybe we should move on to rankings. I think if if Will ranks this above absolute zero, I'm going to count it as a win. Oh yeah, I mean we played some pretty dreadful games, <laughs> so this one at least has like some mechanics in it that are uh, of average quality. And there are some things I like about it. I, like we didn't mention a few things. Um, I think it's just really to call out like to having experience and money that you like from things you kill far away, like come to you eventually rather than having you have to walk over everything. Like in some games, that's like a perk, like, you know, wider and wider radius for the magnet, but like just to have it always come to you. Oh my God. That's just such a pleasure. They really did that one. Right. I would have had, to, I would have 
absolutely hate it to kill the thing that's across the map and then have to like go up a thousand ropes and platforms over there just to get like pick up that like a couple yeah that actually might ruin this game <laughs> right yeah and so <laughs> because part of it like oh it's big levels but part of it is like then it'd be big levels to go try and get across uh the oh, actual no, my coin <laughs> yeah the the actual rating i gave for this on my my one to ten scale is a five and five is below my threshold for recommendation. Six and above, I recommend. So this is, I cannot recommend this game. Madness. I, I did not enjoy it. I, I, it was a grind to get through it. I beat the boss. You can't say I didn't try. I tried really hard to like this game. Um, I did. But and you, you put in enough hours that I feel like you did give it a fair chance. And it's okay uh, to not like a game. It's yeah. we're, when as you much were, as we're dunking on Will's bad and wrong opinion. It's fine. When you were bitching at, at it after having played like seven minutes of it, I was annoyed. <laughs> well, at that oh, those those complaints stood. Those complaints were fair, the main fair, of but the whole thing. But maybe they wouldn't have. Maybe maybe that would have been a gem where you just had to polish it a little bit further. Maybe I it was like one learned. of those geos where you had to polish off the rock to get the pretty crystal inside. If if there's a platformer out there that I can like, I I'm I'm very curious if that's possible because you when you're talking about. Uh, what was that bug game, the 2D one? Yeah. That's, yeah well, have you played it. have you played Hyperlight Drifter? It's not really a platformer though. It's not. It's not a platformer. It's it's a top-down thing. And I'm wondering, yeah, I feel like it has a similar feel of you're running around hitting stuff and trying to jump across little ravines or whatnot. I'd be very curious if Will hates that game too. I think I mean, he all, would, but it, it it's a it'd be a test of the hypothesis. All that stuff should have been left behind with the Super Nintendo. I mean, <laughs> like I I liked Metroid back when that can't was all the just, only game of like, Will, every game can't be chess. I'm not I'm not looking for that. I'm just looking for uh well, I'm looking for a more, better strategy. I'm looking I'm looking for an out, more strategy in my games overall. Like I said, like yeah. I, I imagine fun all falls onto the accuracy timing and, and judgment. And so I need much more judgment. So point is this game I gave a five, which puts it on par with like Dungeons of Dreadmore. It's exact which is a five as well. It puts it above Pineapple Smash Crew and Hacks, like, like a lot of the other ones, which are go without mention. But basically on my ranking scale, then um, that makes it uh, number five out of twelve. So we've played 13. a lot of bad games. Uh 13? <laughs> Oh yeah, because uh, I, I have a couple of ranks that are like repeated here. So, so God. yeah, it actually performs uh, in the upper half, um, <laughs> despite all of my criticism here. Yeah. Scott, what'd you put it? You know, I was I was walking around my house like tearing my hair out the past couple of days because I'm like, okay, I really like this. This Risk of Rain was like the game that turned me on to the roguelike genre. I think I had played Spelunky before this and kind of fell off of it. I think I had played. FTL like kind of when it first came out maybe um and like bounced off of it I mean I, I came back around on FTL pretty hard uh to you know going from bouncing off it to liking it a lot but like this game has such like a a flow state zen to it that yeah. there was one time like I don't know eight nine years ago I was playing this game sitting down in front of a TV just like booted it up and like four hours had gone by and I didn't even realize it. And I was just like, oh my God, this is just like, like absolute candy for my brain. And I can't believe that like something like this is just ticking all the boxes left, right, and center. So I was walking around pulling my hair out past couple days, like, okay. My heart says that I like that Risk of Rain is better than FTL, my currently number one rated game. Does my brain say that too? Like, is it is it objectively a better game than FTL? And then I was like, okay, well, what am I really ranking these by? I think I'm ranking these by, like, how do I feel when playing them? And would I go back to them? So FTL on my 10-point scale has a 9.5. I'm going to put Risk of Rain at my new number one with a 9.51, <laughs> almost as like a spite score. A 9.5 plus wrong <laughs> uh because i think like like ftl great game it's a classic it is a legendary it deserves its reputation uh risk of rain is not perfect there are rough edges all over the place but it is that it is that teddy bear that you have where the eye is falling off and like it's missing an arm and you just you still love to cuddle it and it brings you all of that joy and warmth and snuggliness 
and all the tough times go away and you feel just right at home with it. Uh, for me, I think like all of those boxes tick so hard that even if it isn't perfect, we'll see if like risk of rain returns this year can, can polish up those, those rough edges. But um, I think this is my new number one. What's, how many hours do you have in this game? I have just over 30 hours in this game. What? <laughs> what? You're trying to tell me it's this old teddy bear, eyes falling out, arm missing at 30 hours into the game. 30 uh-huh. hours. Well, we can't all have thousands of hours into our favorite games. I, mean, I, I if, know, but 30 though. I if mean, each run, if each run is like somewhere between 20 to 35 or 40 minutes on the long end, and you know, you, you divide like that over 40 hours you get a lot of runs in like there's no not, way you're mathing this into like any better like this not is... like a, a game doesn't have to be good if like you get ten thousand hours of it Hollow Knight no, is one of my mo- Hollow i'm saying you can't you can't just call it a teddy bear an old teddy bear you can call this like a flash in the pan that's what this is it's like <laughs> it's a teddy bear was... with the arm I fell think off that very quickly are, <laughs> okay it's a low it. quality you can, teddy bear. You okay, can I get it. watch I got a movie it. one time and really like it and not watch it again and still have it be a, a movie that you really like Yep. Hollow Knight, a game I've referenced more times than I probably should have in this podcast, I played for 32.6 hours. So I've only beaten it one time. It was a perfect jewel of an experience. I don't necessarily, I might play it again. I might play it again before Silk Song comes out, but I don't need to have replayed it again over and over and over I'm not, again I'm not for it to, to make be that my point. favorite thing. Yeah, no, no, like I'm just the teddy bear thing. Like Stanley Parable was 10 hours for me. Like, yeah. and I still think it's like a nine or 10 out of 10. A perfect teddy bear on the on the counter, on the on the shelf for you to come back to whenever you feel like it. No, it's a cookie. Um, you eat it and you devour it and it was a good cookie. <laughs> but anyway, for me, uh, I agree with a lot of what Scott was saying. Um, for me, it comes in at three out of our 13 games we've played. Uh, I would say that it has, it's, it's got uh, the rough edges. I would call them spiky edges. Some of the spikes are very high and some of them are low. Uh, I think when it's good, it's extremely good. And then other times you feel like you just die randomly and it's a little bit frustrating. So I don't know if that's something, I think that at least a little bit of that is just intrinsic to the game and a couple of it, a couple bits of it is parts they could polish off. If they, they tried to, but um yeah, number three, I liked it a lot. I liked it before, and I liked it again. Okay. Uh, if you would like, you, gentle listener, would like to write into our show and blast Will about why his, again, very valid, all opinions are safe here on the show, uh, and want to you know express your feelings about why Risk of Rain is the greatest game of all time. Or um, not, you, you know, <laughs> as the case may be. <laughs> So I'm like it even rainier. They want a certainty of rain. Grogpodzone at gmail.com is the email. Uh, feel free to, you, you know, Mastodon used to have uh, their tweets called toots. And I really mm. miss that. They changed it to publish now, which doesn't sound as fun. Like if you want to, if you want to like, or what is it? Boosting? They call it boosting. If you retweet somebody, uh, you can boost us. Is at- it just a post when you post something well you well a a twitter post is a mastodon publish it used to be toot which i think is a lot funnier and matches better with the elephant theme they got going Mm. Um, but you can you can uh boost us on uh, mastodon at grogpod at gamedev.place and our website with all of our rankings and raw data and all of our good stuff there is grogpod.zone will you have have selected for us our next episode, and so and thank you for the privilege of, <laughs> of, of selection. So I finally, finally get to uh, choose a good game, or hopefully a good game. I've done I've done a little bit of research, and I think we're gonna like this next one. Mm-hmm. This is uh, fights in tight places, spaces, spaces. Is that what it was? Fights in tight uh, spaces. Yes, that's the one, and uh, it's got a lot of elements that I'm uh, excited about here. Uh, it's a, a roguelike deck builder. Deck builder automatically you get you win a lot of points with me for just being a deck builder. But it's also got like this like spatial element to it where it's kind of got this uh, into the breach style um, look to it, and it's got this or not look to it, but like a um uh, kind of a playing field, and it's got like a very unique art style with a guy in a suit that's just like kicking ass. So it's just like it feels like it's got a lot of good things, and um, 
I'm excited for it um, for for our next uh, podcast. I think I must have watched the the Casino Royale uh, intro like five or six times after that to be like, oh yeah, I would play a whole game that's just based around this. Yeah. Cool. Colin, thoughts on this? Is this is it going to be a good one? I haven't really looked it up at all. I'm gonna wait until I'm gonna you know go into it with super fresh eyes. I trust I trust your judgment, Will. Yeah, I will say that February, I think uh, we're supposed to do this on February 24th is the next one. that, um, And so uh, that's when Kerbal Space Program 2 comes out. I know this is a roguelike podcast, but I'll tell you what, no, I'm taking a week off. Next, that's the that's one, the two, two ones. Oh, that's two now. weeks. Okay, never mind. So that'll be the update for next. Well, I'm just saying, whatever we do for that podcast, we're going to have to make, choose a small game because I'm going to be putting <laughs> everything into Kerbal Space Program. We'll just live stream you playing Kerbal for a while. Oh, my God. That Kerbal just... Space Program's a roguelike, right? Everything these days. I can't believe cool. you didn't get That's a whole other thing. We could go on a rant about that. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. You know, if Kerbal Space Program 2 has a less um, aggressively disinterested UI and I'll like get, to... Well, like... I'll get to... I'll be getting to KSP2 with you. Not, I mean, not as much as you, but I'll I'll, I'll put the yeah, effort into be, getting good at it. It wouldn't be possible. Just give me some mission objectives. Give me a, a character that's three pixels tall and oh. allow oh, me to just yeah. like... Here we shoot. go. Pixel art KSP mods. Get on it. Make yes. it happen. Um, but uh, on that note, hey, Scott, want to go play some uh, Risk of Rain co-op? Yes, we're going to go do it. All right. Sounds good. All right, good, good, good potting with y'all, yeah. <laughs>